to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. Uh, I'm actually not in Michigan today. I'm in California, but this is Eric. Eric, how are you? I am well. Visiting family. Yes, I am. Very good. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Yourself? I'm doing well also. Feeling a little thirsty out there, Eric? I understand there's a water shortage. Uh, there is, uh, but uh, you're still allowed to drink it. Oh, how about a shower? Been able to take one of those? Uh, or is what, it starting to get kind of ripe in the state? What is the shower you speak of? Ew. <laughs> That's right, you're a podcaster. <laughs> yes. So, uh, first off, introduction once more for us. This is a second episode of You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. A Game of Thrones podcast. And we decided to do this starting with the fifth season. And the three of us also do a sister podcast, which is darkdiscussions.com or Dark Discussions Podcast, which talks about genre films generally. So horror, fantasy, sci-fi, thriller, techno, thriller, mystery, exploitation, and grindhouse. And we do that weekly as well. And you can find this podcast on the feed for that, Dark Discussions Podcast feed, or you can find us on our own feed, again, searching for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, A Game of Thrones Podcast. And we also are on Stitcher as well. And Eric, you also do a third podcast. What is that? Uh, it's a general interest podcast called the Askancity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on the iTunes store at askancity.com. And we'll be talking about a water shortage in California. Um, maybe. Maybe. And, Mike, you do a genre pod, by the way, right? Uh, yes, and from time to time, that's uh, www.unnaturalselections.com. Excellent. Very good. And for this podcast, even though it's own thing, we are under darkdiscussions.com. And the email is darkdiscussions at AOL.com. And the Facebook group for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, which is basically Dark Discussions podcast. Today is April 20th, and we are recording a second episode, our discussion of Season 5, Episode 2 of Game of Thrones, which, do either of you know the name of this episode? The House of Black and White. Indeed. All right, so I guess we can probably just start and pick it up right right away, uh, unless anybody wants to mention any Game of Thrones news that you've heard recently on the Internet or elsewhere. Well, first, let me just say that uh, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't point out that Pam had been gesturing wildly to me. Apparently, she wanted me to say hi. That would be my wife. She says hi. Hi, Pam. Pam, how are you? And uh, we, we just finished watching the episode a few moments ago. <clears throat> and also I want to mention, since we we mentioned the Cast of Kings podcast last week, uh, there's another podcast I've been listening to that just started up, which is um, from the same people who do the Walking Dead cast uh, podcast, and that's um, Game of Microphones, and I mentioned <laughs> to them. So I uh, just want to give them a plug because they, they know their stuff pretty well. Uh, and I think they have a good conversation if you like the Walking Dead cast, which I think is one of the better Walking Dead podcasts out there. For me, it's the best one that's out there that I'd heard. I would agree with that, Mike. Okay, so, so there you go. So if you like Jason and Karen, you might want to uh, give that one a listen to as well. And it was interesting. I was just finishing doing a – not finishing. I'm in the middle of a, a rewatch of the Game of Thrones series. 
And I'm in the middle of season two, which lines up nicely with this episode. Because there were things that, that they were talking about in this episode that I had just finished watching minutes right. before. So it's it's interesting with this series. A lot of times when you watch a series, you go back after five years or six years, you go back to the first season, and you tend to note how things are different. Uh-huh. You know, you notice uh, the editing is different. Maybe the lighting is different. Certainly the writing and, and characters may be a little off. Here, a lot of that's very consistent, even though this, the, sta- the cast has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, it's basically the same show. But what's really interesting is seeing just how much later events enrich what you see in the first season. Right. Characters who are minor bit players, like Bruce Bolton, become more important players later on. You know, seeing Janice Slint back with the, the gold cloaks and then, of course, ending up... Uh, with the black watch, mm-hmm. you know, little things like that. It really does. Because I remember the first time I watched game of Thrones episode one, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, me too. I had no idea who any of the characters were. And immediately after finishing the first season, I went back and did a rewatch and it made a lot more sense now that I had knew what the hell was going on. Yes. I would agree with that too, Mike. Cause I remember when I watched season one of game of Thrones, one of my favorite characters though minor was theon Greyjoy, and this was before he became what he became and yet i had no idea who he was and was he a stock or not i I didn't understand the the concept of being a uh i guess a quote-unquote prisoner almost right of of, you know the stocks and that was confusing so um yeah it is interesting how the first time i watched it with so many characters and so many things going on and not knowing any history of who Rob Baratheon is and why he took power and all that was a bit confusing, I think. And then, you know, after reading and all these other things and rewatching as well, uh, I get a better understanding of what is actually going on. Well, and so- that's one of the things that's, uh, that uh, George R. R. Martin has an advantage writing a book because he can take a page or two to tell you, hey... This is what happened with Theon. He was given to the Starks because blah, 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 and he lives there, and that's the deal. Uh, whereas in the show, you just got to kind of see it and figure it out unless they choose to have somebody walk on and tell the story. Well, that's where the uh, – I have to give credit to the showrunners for having the balls to do things the way they did because a lot of people could have just said, I don't understand what's going on and walked away. Right. And they sort of had the courage to say, well, people will figure it out. They don't need to know – who Theon Greyjoy is right away. I think uh-huh. a lot of shows would have been tempted, let's see, because at the beginning, they, where they capture uh, the deserter. Uh-huh. You know, it would have been, you know, where they're, they're doing the target practice, because right? very easily could have seen Rob Stark say, now, Theon Greyjoy, you may not be one of us, though we have raised you as one of us, and yeah. you were captured when your father rebelled, oh, those many years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> That would have been horrible. And it, would, and it would have been absolutely atrocious. And so instead, it's sort of, here he is, hang on, don't worry, you'll figure it out later, you'll know why he's not getting the wolf pup and all this. Wait for about five or six episodes, we'll give you more of the backstory, it doesn't matter right now, we'll get right. there, hang on. Right. And, and that happens a lot, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the whole story of, uh, Baratheon's Rebellion, you get enough at the beginning, there's the Mad King, they rebelled against the Mad King. That's all you needed to know. Right. You know, and, but now it becomes more important to know about 
Rhaegar and whatever the sister's name, why Caitlin's sister was, and mm-hmm. all these things start getting filled in. They start filling them in for you as they go along a little bit at a time. It's hard to keep track of it all at once. Yes. Yeah, but this is why it's a show that really does bear rewatching. I agree. I've gone back and watched some of the older episodes, and uh, they're just as enjoyable the second time through because you have a better handle on what's going on. Yeah, I would agree. And, uh, Mike, you mentioned a couple of things that was interesting about the guy that ran away in the first episode. And even that alone is like, who is he? What is this thing they call the wall and the Black Watch? And what's the big deal that he fled and as a deserter? And then, of course, we meet Ned Stark's brother, who talks about it without actually giving us exposition. You know, when he's talking to Jon Snow about how Jon Snow is going to join the Black Watch and so forth. And, mm-hmm. and and yet, still, we don't really understand what's going on with the Black Watch until really when Tyrion, a couple of episodes later, reaches the Black Wall with Jon Snow. And then we, we kind of figure out what's going on. Or at least that that's how I experienced that storyline. Right, and you, but you get the fact that because um, of who Ned Stark is, and the, that his family takes this seriously, that you have that he seems to be a good man, and yet he's executing a guy for desertion. That whoever they are, they must be important or perceived to be important, you know. And it's it's all these things you can start filling in some of it, and it just each it's like peeling the onions of the layer, uh, the onions of the layer, the layers of the onion. <laughs> True, the layers of the onion night is what we're dealing with here. There you go. I see. And we don't even know who the Onion Knight is until uh, season two. Right. When we meet the, the best character of all, Stannis. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry we don't get to find out if the Wildlings take up Stannis' deal or not. Right, right. Well, not this I week. I think we all know which way that's going to go. Well, no, there's a dispute, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll talk about this new episode, which is, again, season five, episode two of Game of Thrones. And once again, what was the name of it? House of Black and White. That's right. And what does that represent? Like a cookie. Yeah, and that's actually how we we pretty much start start the episode, right? That's right. Uh, We start the episode with, uh, we finally get to see Arya for the first time this season. Uh, She arrives in Bravos on the ship that she she got a ride with when she showed her iron coin. Uh, And the captain of the ship uh, takes her in a rowboat and drops her off at the House of Black and White. Uh, which has a big front door that's half black, half white. Makes sense. Uh, so she knocks on the door and takes a minute for somebody to come answer it. Uh, and they answer the door. And I can never say his name right, so I'm not even going to try. But she asks for the guy uh, that gave her the coin in the first place. And they tell her that he's not here. Uh, and she's, she goes, but can, can I come in? I, I have nowhere else to go. And the guy who answers the door says, you have everywhere else to go. And just closes the door. <laughs> so she yeah, he act- Actually, he says, uh, I think he says, there is no one named Jacar or whatever his name is here. Yes, yes, yes. So she sits down on the front steps and just starts reciting her death list over and over again. Hey, Eric, who was the fourth name? I could not, I had to rewind it like three times and I still couldn't figure out who the I, I didn't write it down. I wrote um, it down. Be good. Who is it, Mike? But naturally, but I don't have my notes open. So hold on. Um, <laughs> Cersei, Walder Frey, the Mountain, and Mirren Trent. Yeah, who the hell is that? That's a good question. I don't remember. Wasn't he the one who betrayed? He was the was he the head of the Kingsguard at the time. 
or at least he's the, one, he's the one who killed killed Picel, not Picel, uh, Florel. Oh, okay. So for those of us who are, who are, who are who haven't been listening to Dark Discussions for a long time, we're really crappy with names. That is the fact. Now, now, Mike, who is Florel? Serial Florel was the uh, the water dancer, the uh, okay. Arya's sword instructor. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So he, he and he was actually made an appearance in uh, season five already too. That this not not him, that the guy that killed him. Mm-hmm. He's right. He escorts uh, Cersei to her father's funeral. Yes. There we go. All right. So yeah. So Eric. So Arya, she basically just repeats it, and she stays out there for I think about twenty four hours almost, right? Yeah, it looks about that. Uh, and then she finally gives up and uh, throws her coin in the water and walks away. Yeah. Obviously, we pretty much we knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, I think everybody knew that eventually something was going to happen where she was going to get in there and so forth, right? Well, I mean, I read the book, so yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Um, well, the one thing that you can say, and, and there are two things that happen in this episode that are eminently predictable if you follow regular television, and yet this is Game of Thrones. Right, uh, and if we followed eminently predictable, then Ned Stark would be sitting on the the Iron Throne right about now, and uh-huh. Viserys would be leading a Dothraki army. <laughs> right. So yeah, we don't follow predictable. So when they do do something predictable, it's not something we can necessarily. I know not. It's not something we can necessarily really expect them to do. So and this is one of them is that she does end up inside the house. There's a lot of farting around for for the episode. Mm-hmm. Before she's taken into the house, and I'm going to kind of want to know what what was up with that, because assuming that was in fact who she thought it was, that it was, um, how do you pronounce his name? Jacques Jacques Hagar, whatever. Yeah, see, right, that's then, a name then, I didn't even try. <laughs> yeah, then obviously he should recognize her, but we know he can change his face. He did it to her once before. He does it in uh-huh. this episode. So is he the one that she actually knows, or is he someone that looks that? Way. That looks like the one that she knows because they can change their faces. Uh-huh. Now, Mike, um, have, this is important, Mike, since you brought this up earlier that you've been rewatching the episodes. This character, Jacques, whatever his name is, yes. has appeared for three or three seasons, I think. Or, or two seasons, anyway. And suddenly he's back, and you rewatched those episodes when he was in uh, earlier. Um, how How did it change or things you missed? Was there anything? Well, I'm, he, he's killed one person for her. Back in the second season when she was trapped at Castle Harrenhal and serving as the cupbearer for Tywin Lannister, she had helped him at some point and prevented his death and the death of two others. And so in exchange, he promises to kill three people for, for Arya and it ends up stupid. facilitating her escape. Right. And so there's a bit of a mutual respect and admiration and a mutual debt, and he gives her the coin, which is what she shows up with to the House of Black and White, and says, you know, tell them Valar Magulis, which means, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. <laughs> um, I don't remember. It was something about death. Yeah. And that's where we are, but really, I'm curious because I don't know where the hell they're going with Arya Stark. Everybody else factors into the quote-unquote Game of Thrones, and Arya Stark begins with you know, trying to turn into Inigo Montoya, right? She's, you killed my father, prepared to die. She's mm-hmm. got her revenge list. And if you notice, her revenge list just Very keeps soft. getting shorter and shorter and shorter and she, through no action of her own. <laughs> right. <laughs> she got one. She got Polliver. And that's well, it's just, 
and she still has the mountain on her list. Doesn't he? Doesn't he died? Well, but does she know he died? Well, I know. I'm just saying. But she dead, didn't know, right? Because right, she well, didn't know that. We don't know if he's dead, right? We just know that he was poisoned right. by. Yeah, the it would be surprising if he's alive. But yeah. and then the Doctor Frankenstein character was trying to keep him alive and keep him going. Right, and and so technically, the mountain hasn't been. Um, his obituary has not been printed in the local newspaper. Yet. Okay, right. He's only mostly dead. He's not dead. Dead. <laughs> I'm not quite dead yet. He's he's in a, he's in a coma or something. And then what they're going to do? Maybe they're going to cut off his head and put the dwarf's head on his body. Oh God! Oh my God! That was pretty gruesome. <laughs> so, so, but my point is that everyone else fact does factor in in some way, shape, or form to the grander Game of Thrones scheme. Right. They're either dealing with the the battle for the, the Iron Throne itself, Danny's army, the fire part of Ice and Fire, or the north, the ice part of the Ice and Fire. And well, she's sort of running off having her... Here's the thing, though. Her own her own little independent adventures with the Hound and and you're, Hot Pie. You're, you're right. At the same time, uh, there's... Uh, it's really interesting because they're they're the the different plot lines and different people who are who are struggling to gain power, right? And then the remaining Starks are just trying to survive, right? Uh you got Sansa just going along with whatever so that she can live. Uh Arya went across the ocean so she can get away from whatever the hell's going on. Uh, then you got John doing what he's doing up at the wall, even though he's not officially his Stark, he's a Stark by blood. Uh, and you got Bran, who's doing whatever the hell he's doing, and we're not going to see him this season, right? Right. right. So, uh, none of the Starks have a solid line towards any of the power struggles that are going on, but you can't, I mean, they spent way too much time with them for them to be irrelevant, so they're going to come into play at some point. Well, let me give you my opinion. Again, I have not read enough of the books. I've read the first book and half of the second, and I've read nothing online about the Arya storyline. But I'm thinking if she's gone to basically what is considered a, I guess, a, a robber's guild or something, that may, or Assassin. Assassin's Guild maybe, yeah. she may play, you know, she could be like the Gollum of Lord of the Rings where she plays a role that we don't see, but it will be so obvious when it happens where she, maybe she becomes an assassin. Again, this is all speculative mm-hmm. and she happens to participate in the takeout of one of the players to the throne. Right. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. That's what you're thinking. Too. Yeah. I see. I, I just don't, they spent way too much time with the stars for them to like not be part of the ultimate power struggle. The only thing I can think of is that it's going to be Cersei, because really, who gives a damn about Walder Frey, the Mountain, or Mirren Trent in terms of the grand scheme of things? Yeah, if you know, Arya. <laughs> grand scheme. Obviously, Arya does. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, it would be fun to watch her, I don't know, cut Mirren Trent's balls off, but, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a personal satisfaction for her. It doesn't fit, picture into, uh, factor into the larger thing, but the rate things are going, They'll all be dead by the time that she walks out of the house. <laughs> right. And she'll she's, come out with her list and somebody will be like, oh, yeah, she'll have, she will have no list whatsoever. Yeah. She's like, oh, well, my list is done. Now what? Time this, to recite my list. The this, mountain. There's two things. One, Mike, that's an excellent point because out of all the 
remainder of the folks on her list, Cersei's is the only character that has not necessarily a claim to the throne, but her hand on the throne. And so I could see that happening, possibly, where Arya would take out Cersei's. If that did happen, would be somewhat unfortunate, because it would be kind of obvious in in the grand scheme of things that, Oh, the, you know, the little assassin will take out one of the most hated characters on the show. And, you know, there we go again. You know, we've seen this in dozens of media. But the other thing is, is, is what Lord Peter Baelish said in last episode to Sansa, which is a name is more powerful than the ability to fight. And Arya still has the name Stark, which mm-hmm. is one of the noble families of the North. So eventually, she could make a claim to the throne, too, because we're assuming that there's going to be a king or a queen that's going to take over the whole land. But there's also a chance that it could, you know, be a Yugoslavia or Soviet Union and just break up. And then, you know, you could have Arya become the queen of the north or something. Well, that's yeah, Sansa, that wouldn't surprise me. Sansa's older than her. And she's already she's already headed that direction. So that would be that would be more of a logical progression. But that's just my opinion. Well, this is Game of Thrones, so the logical progression is that by the end of the show, every character we know will be dead. <laughs> Fair enough. So, on the off chance that one of the two daughters survives, <laughs> one of them can be Queen of the North. Right. Well, and speaking of Sansa, that brings us to our next little scene here in the episode, uh, which is that we uh, come across uh, Brienne and Podrick eating at a pub of some sort. Uh, and lo and behold, they look over and Sansa and Littlefinger are sitting there in the same pub. And that leads to an interesting little scene where Podrick sees them and lets Brienne know that they're sitting behind her. And then she tells him to go get the horses ready and then wanders over to have a conversation with Littlefinger and Sansa. Um, <laughs> and, 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 then proceed, and then proceeds to loudly proclaim to everyone within earshot, your lord's, your lady Sansa. Lady right. Sansa. Hi, remember yeah. me, Lady Sansa? Lady Sansa, what's going on? Would you like some pretzels, Lady Sansa? <laughs> Everybody look over here, it's Lady Sansa. Her hair color is different, but this is Lady Sansa. <laughs> right. Sansa, Sansa, Sansa. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that, but at the same time, she's got no reason to know that they're trying to keep her identity secret. No, but there's, and we're doing this a little out of order, but there was already a scene in the episode where one character hushes another one for speaking too loudly because they might be giving away a secret. Uh-huh. And then that immediately follows with this, and I'm just thinking, you know, how, how, is, how is Littlefinger not going, you know, ixnay on the ansasay? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, in disguise, so eh, you know. Billish is, at this point, since he's away from the power sh- struggle of King's Landing, at this point, he is his own powerhouse. He is his own army. He is his own, like, mini kingdom in a sense. So I think it doesn't matter what anybody says because he can just go kill these people. So I don't think he was really worried too much that Brienne was a dumbass. No, I don't think so. But uh, I felt, I felt okay, this scene, I felt really bad for Brienne because she goes over <laughs> and she tells Sansa that uh, – that she swore her allegiance to her mother to protect her girls, and uh, and Littlefinger just cuts her down in the harshest of ways. She's like, he's like, yeah, uh, and who were you protecting before that? Oh yeah, what happened to them? They're dead now, right? Yeah, you're really good at that, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you go away now? Uh, and she turns to Sansa and is like. Sansa, I swore to protect you. And Sansa basically tells her to go away. She's like, I don't want your help. 
Uh, I don't know you. Go away. Uh, and and Littlefinger pretty much gives his guards to not kill Brienne, uh, but she makes it out of there. And uh, there's a there's a rip roaring chase scene where uh, Podrick basically distracts some of them and allows Brienne to get away. And then Brienne circles back to save his ass. Uh, and there was a really there, I think Podrick actually had one of the best lines in this whole sequence here which is that after they've done what they've dealt with the people that are chasing them, um, he's like, look, you've met Arya. She didn't want your help. You met Sansa. She didn't want your help. You tried to fulfill your oath to Lady Stark, and they won't let you fulfill it. Maybe it's time to pack it in. And really, I think that's the best advice Brienne has ever gotten from anyone. great. <laughs> Um, there's two things about the Baelish stuff is one, he says to Bran, he goes, it doesn't matter that, you know, you have an oath to Lady Stark and that you're supposed to protect Sansa or whatnot. It doesn't matter because I'm her uncle now because he married her aunt. Therefore, she's family. She's fine here. And, right. then, and so that's one thing and that's legit. And Sansa basically agrees and says it and she does it. Without, um, you know, being forced. I mean, she actually wants to stay with Baelish at this point versus mm-hmm. the strange woman knight that bowed to Joffrey at the King's Landing anyway. And right. Then, and then the other thing is, if Baelish wanted to kill Brienne, whether Baelish is a scumbag or not, he doesn't know that Brienne isn't necessarily a spy for the Lannisters. He's, he assumes this. So she's an enemy and therefore, knows and has identified Sansa, mm-hmm. if he does kill her, is he being evil or is he being political? Or both, for that matter. Oh, both. Well, and that sword's ah. going to come back to haunt her because everybody recognizes that sword as being being Lannister <laughs> originating. Uh, so wherever she goes, people are going to think that she's in alignment with them, even though they're, that's not where uh, her loyalty lays. Right, and and he is, when you talk about evil or political or both... He is being political. He, the fact that he's evil means he really just doesn't give a shit whether or not she's telling the truth. There's, there's, there, you know, that's, there, there's really no point to worrying about it. It's just easier to trust no one, as he said in the past, mm-hmm. and just lop her head off, right? You know, or, right. Because, first of all, it, let's say that he's said, oh, great, we'd love to have you. Let's ignore the fact that everyone that you have sworn to protect has died. <laughs> That's such a good point, though. <laughs> um, but we're we're trying to stealthily sneak through the countryside with Lady Sansa undercover, mm-hmm. and you are a seven foot Amazon in plate mail <laughs> who has sworn to protect her. Uh-huh. I think I think I think you're going to stand out and blow the cover. <laughs> now, Mike, Eric, let me ask you this. Brian, oh, let me, well, not Brian, but Billish himself, is is he known? I mean, we know he's a bad guy, or at least someone that plays the game right, therefore a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But does Brian know this? It's assumed that she does, but I don't think they've had any real communication I, in the I four seasons prior. So I don't know how she would know he's a bad guy unless there's rumors I around that say that he is. I don't think a lot of people know what he's been up to. Uh, a lot of his machinations have 
remained relatively secret and only a few people have found out if anybody. Um, so yeah, like nobody knows that he was behind the death of the king, you know, <laughs> uh, except for the people who were involved. Uh, I, I think the fact that Varys didn't know most of what he was doing uh, would imply that nobody knows what the hell he's been doing. Right, because he would know if anybody would. Right, so, and, and at this point, uh, well, you know what, though? You know what, and again, we, we skipped, and they didn't show certain scenes that figured that were implied, I guess, which is after Joffrey was killed, both Sansa and Lord Baelish suddenly disappeared. Just as the moment Charles Dance's character died, Tywin, Varys disappears. So maybe it's been off screen where they're saying, oh, Baelish must have something to do with it because he disappeared. Well, Baelish had been given um, a title. Mm-hmm. And, been, and and so he was going, I think his going off was part of the schedule. Yes. But he yes. hung off, but he hung around offshore long enough to pick up, pick up Sansa. Right. So, so maybe and that's what I'm wrong then, right? Then maybe he's still cleared. He's still not considered a bad I, guy by the Lannisters. Right. I think he, I think he's still cleared. I don't think that they figured out he was behind her disappearance because then that would put him obviously behind. Joffrey's death, for which we're all eternally grateful. Um, Varys, on the other hand, is screwed. Yeah, because he disappears, you know, the night that the dwarf, and he wasn't ever, he didn't have, like, you know, travel plans. He didn't say, I'm going to Disney World tomorrow, <laughs> have fun. Right. Um, where Baelish, I think, was supposed to go to go to the Vale, because I had been promised to him, or some properties. Because a lot of people promised a lot of people a lot of things. I have, have trouble keeping track. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's just. I, I'm sorry. I think. I think Brienne just has the shittiest luck of any character in Game of Thrones that hasn't died yet. She does, and it's. It's. Uh, I. I am ambivalent about Brienne because, on the one hand, she's this. She's this. You know, going against the grain, female knight, kicking ass, and I really like that about her. At the same time, she's really kind of dumb. Uh, and she's not a great player in the Game of Thrones. Uh, she's thick. She's really she, thick. She kind of sucks at it, uh, and and often takes actions that work against herself uh, because she's uh, operating on some code of honor, which, as we've all seen in the past, really doesn't fly in Westeros. Right, and it's not that so much that she's bad at the Game of Thrones, and and she is bad at the Game of Thrones. It's that she refuses. To even consider playing the game. Right. You know, is that even if she had a chance, if she had the potential to be good at it, she won't. She just, she's just stubborn. Yes. And, and that's, see, I'm thinking, in rewatching it, um, the scene right after, uh, Renly was killed. And again, of all the things, bad enough you fail to protect him, you have to have him die. Because a shadow wearing Stannis's face killed him. That's Anyone should buy that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's the truth. But it's also the worst possible story you could have come up with. Immediately after, they rush into Rester, and uh, one of the guards lunges at her with a sword, and she knocks the sword into her mirror and breaks the mirror. Oh. That's in season two. We're in season five. She's got four more seasons of bad luck. That's what I right. figure. Mike, 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 we did an episode on the film Them. 
the science fiction film from the, the 50s of the giant ants. And there's a scene in that where there's this guy, a pilot, who says he sees a UFO that looks like a giant flying ant. And yes. he immediately gets arrested and puts in a nut house. And the government then says to the doctors, keep this guy in here for another month. We'll let you know when to release him. And he goes, says, I wish I didn't say anything about UFOs and ants because now look where I'm at. And so when Brian goes around saying Stannis's shadow came and killed Remley, they all look at her like she's nuts. And she just destroys her own credibility and, yes. and therefore, you know, looks more like a joke rather than a quote unquote knight. Or, right, you know, so it's her own dumb luck, I guess. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to say about the scene with Brienne? Well, just that she's for some reason she chose not to follow Arya, but they are going to be following uh, Sansa. Uh huh. Well, I think what happened was is that they couldn't find Arya, and they didn't have any more horses right. at that time, so they couldn't even do that. But I, I think it's crazy that she's going to try to follow Baelish because I think Baelish is arguably the most powerful person in the show, possibly, and. He's the most ruthless, similar to Tywin Lannister, where if you have to do political or collateral damage, for that matter, mm-hmm. Brienne would be that, and he would have no issues, you know, disposing of her. Right. So, but then again, you never know. Maybe she's going to play a much bigger role, and she isn't a red herring. I don't know. Right. Well, the advantage that Baelish, I think, has over Tywin, and well, besides being alive, <laughs> is that all these other guys people tend to know are dangerous. And most people completely underestimate Littlefinger because they look at him as this nobody who, you know, just sort of rose up through power by trading on whores and and lies, Mm -hmm. but that he'll just take whatever scraps of bread you throw at him. Nobody imagines, A, what he has done, or B, what his ambition really is. And and everybody likes him, in a sense. In a sense, we I mean, we know who he is, but he's like the politician. He's the... You know, not to compare him to Bill Clinton, but he's got that personality where everybody loves him. Right. Well, but I did love I did love that scene in season one where Cersei put him in his place. Oh, that was yeah, yeah, that was great. Where, where she was just like, guards, kill him, and they and they moved into doing that. She's like, wait, never mind. And she's like, that's power. Don't mess with me, little man. Right, because right, he tries to go all. Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday morning cartoons and knowledge is power. And right. she's like, fuck you. Power is power. But <laughs> yeah, the other thing that is that he's, I used to work at a magazine shop a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, back when people actually published things on paper. Huh. It was not a porno sh- uh, magazine shop. However, they had all sorts and varieties of magazines. All sorts. <laughs> sorts no. that I I wish okay, I hadn't known existed. On. So, so what, but, but what my point story? is this: is that Baelish runs the whorehouse, and they had he has a conversation with Varys in the first season where he's discussing various individuals' preferences. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's one who had a preference for amputees, and another with a preference for fresh corpses, and. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. So, right. So, working at the magazine shop, I ended up finding out a lot about people I really wish I hadn't known. (laughs) And I think that's something else that gives him a certain measure of power. So, it's similar to Hollywood Madam. Michael Coyone uh, setting up the senator at at Fredo's whorehouse type of thing. Yeah, sort of. Except that I think on one hand, these are people who have their perversions and Baelish knows them. But he also facilitates them, and he keeps their secrets. 
So right. that's one reason why I think they like him, but he can just as easily, if for some reason they turn against him, right, he can flip that around on them as well. So I think there's a reason why he, you know he can gain a little extra power that way. Gotcha. Yeah, so, so it's similar to the, the CIA where they, they have everything on everybody. And as long as you're okay, we ain't going to release anything. But <laughs> Okay, so uh, moving on from the scene with Brienne, we get a scene with uh, Cersei and Jamie, And it starts with Cersei getting a basically a threat from Dorne. They basically send her daughter's necklace back to her draped around a statue of a viper. Now, who um, sent it? Was it the sister that saw what's-his-face head get squashed, or was it the prince? I don't think it was the prince, because later we have a scene that pretty much shows he's not all about antagonizing, yeah, the you know, <laughs> so, enemies. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was him. I'm pretty sure it was, it was the girlfriend. Um, well, they do mention uh, uh, that he has daughters. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That Oberon. Oberon had daughters, and that they were planning on taking their revenge, so it could be them as well. Okay. Oh, yeah. Or it could be, you know, all of them working together, which is a, probably <laughs> maybe. Really yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, there's a scene between Jamie and Cersei where she starts yelling at him about not being a proper father to his children, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, <laughs> like, he's like, he has a really, he's like, what are you talking about? I can't acknowledge that they're my kids. Are you insane? Ah, uh, so, uh, then he says that he's going to go to Dorne and take care of the situation. And she's like, ha ha, you're a one-armed man going to Dorne by yourself. What are you going to do? And he said, I didn't say I was going to by myself. And, uh, that leads us to the next scene, which is, uh, Braun. Uh, the sellsword walking on the beach with his new wife to be, uh, and they just kind of stumble upon Jamie Lannister standing there on the beach. And he's like, what the hell? Uh, so it turns out that he's recruiting Bronn to come with him to Dorn. Uh, and Bronn's like, what do you mean? I'm, I got a woman in a, in a castle here. And Jamie's like, don't worry about it. I'll give you a better woman in a better castle. Come with me. This is probably my favorite scene of the episode. Yeah, um, because one Braun is just always fun. Braun is always fun, but it's also because it's calling back the conversation Braun had with with Tyrion last season, in which he explains that he sold out Tyrion for this this not terribly bright woman, right? And her big house. Uh huh. It's not even her. And, big house. and it's not even her big house. It belongs to her sister, and he basically tells Tyrion. That he's going to kill the sister, right? And so he's having this conversation. He was being all sweet and lovely. He's completely wrapped up in uh, in himself. And I can't believe where I am. You know, I can't believe my good luck. He's all like soaking it all in, so he doesn't hear his his wife prattling on about the food at the wedding and all this other <laughs> crap that right that that men wouldn't really be listening to, even if the wife was a genius but it but she's clearly not um but then then he starts talking well i've always believed that <laughs> bad people things have a way of coming back around to them and on its own the conversation is completely innocent not, and right not, but because if you have a memory and this is again the rewatching because it's easy for so you forget all these details um 
because you know he's basically already plotting to murder the sister. <laughs> right, right. <Not> a <laughs> and he's just laying the groundwork. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Karma might take care of her. <laughs> yeah, karma has nothing to do with it, but the, yes. The sister's so dense. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and not even figuring out that. I'm hint, hint, hint. Well, fall off the horse type of thing. I gotta say that uh, whoever that woman is that's playing the not-so-bright woman is actually doing a really good job of playing a not-so-bright woman. Yeah, she reminds me of some of my students. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, but boy, does she ever. Right, and the sad thing is is that she's an actress and playing some stupid versus the students who aren't actors or actresses. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, basically, I mean, it's a relatively short scene, and basically it's like, hey, here's Braun, here's Jamie, they're going to dorm together. Yeah, and that that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Right, this is this is the one thing so far this season, I think, where it's been laid out clearly what's going to happen, and I'm going, yay, I want to see that. Well, like, and, and those two characters are damn good actors. Never mind, their characters are cool anyway, even if, uh, even if they are, you know, questionable morales. Um, I, it would be, it's, it's going to be a fun uh, scenes as they appear, as they head down to Dawn and, and whatnot. And, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. I'm definitely looking forward to this storyline. So yeah, the, those two can be fun together. Uh, <laughs> so then we get to uh, we cut to Dorn, where we have a conversation between uh, Prince Durant and Alaria. You, you uh, mean Doctor Julian Bashir? <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, but is, is that the same woman that was there and saw the mountain crush his head? Yeah, her hair is completely different now. It's short. Well, okay. Well, not short, but it's it's like shoulder length versus last season when I think it was down to her ass. Because I didn't quite recognize her, and I it I had to figure out who she was after the episode was over. Um, but I get it now. So she's mad because her yes. boyfriend's head got crushed. She, she's uh, one of the best screams ever. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and so she's really trying to talk the prince into going to war uh, with King's Landing. Uh, over that event, and the prince is like, that's not the right thing to do. We can't just go to war because your boyfriend got killed in a battle. Uh, that he volunteered, that he volunteered to for. Do. So, sorry. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. Everybody else wants you to do it, pussy, and walks away. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? He is right, because Oberon did not have to do it. And right. And this guy here, he spells it out perfectly, which is during a duel, if someone dies, it is what the, it is. It is the law, exactly. So yep. nothing illegal, nothing bad happened in this by at least by the law's opinion. For right. us, yes, it was devastating because we lost someone we loved. However, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And and let's be fair, he was cheating in the duel. He was using poison. That's true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you don't fight fear. You fight to win, my friend. I always <laughs> say that. Uh, yeah, but this is a stage. I mean, you, you're not going to go, you know, at the, the next uh, professional heavyweight bout and expect to have one of the boxers have knives in their gloves. 
Well, let me rephrase. Right? I mean, let me rephrase. You don't fight fear. You fight to win when it comes down to being killed or not. Yeah. So trial, trial by combat to the death. Yeah. So if you lose, you're dead. So you might as well fight to win, not to fight for fear. Right. Right. And his motivation, of course, though, is not justice. Well, it was not that so much that Tyrion got justice. It was revenge. <laughs> right. So he, you know, I can't, I don't want to say he got what he deserved, but it was a, it was a, it was an unforced error. Exactly. Right. And by the yes. way, the, why did he lose? Because he was a dumbass. Yes. Who had to rub it in. Yep. That he won, that he beat the mountain. If, as if opposed he to just slit his freaking throat, it would have been over. <laughs> Oh my! Well, yeah, but, so but he wouldn't have been able to hear. You, you killed them. You <laughs> whatever. You, yeah, exactly. You, you raped her. You killed her. You murdered her children. You squish. Killed my father. Prepared to die. Oh no! Wait, wrong movie. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but yeah. So so yeah. So their desire for revenge is completely misplaced. Although, I think we're all going to be on their side. Because, you know, let's get, let's kill Cersei. Yes, let's kill Cersei. That sounds yeah. like a fun game. Well, let me ask you this. Now, Jamie and Braun are heading down to Dawn to meet these people. But was it implied, and this is what I got, that it was implied that they were going to do it either stealthily or they were going to do it non-stealthily, but in a non-diplomatic way, in the sense that they're, they're coming as non-diplomats, just coming as, quote-unquote, visitors. And then they're going to kidnap... Cersei's daughter and bring her back. I, just, I, you know what? It it was laid out like that, but I would be really surprised to see Jamie just go do that without trying to talk to the prince first, because he seems a little more level headed than his sister. I'm I'm fully expecting the next episode to open with the Mission Impossible theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, at this point, even if if the 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 Baratheon girl. Cersei's daughter had freedom prior where she could just walk around and do anything. Now she probably has an arm escort following her everywhere now after the death of, of Joffrey and the death well, of Well, we saw, saw her walking the gardens with a cute boy. Maybe he's the armed guard. Like she's betrothed, isn't she, to, to the prince? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, it'll be curious to see. And good for him because she looks like a cute girl. So She sure does, yeah. Yeah, another. He, he may have, it's possible he got one of the Sane Lannisters. <laughs> actually, she's technically a Baratheon, but only. Uh, I, I actually, technically, right. she's not. <laughs> she's a Lannister on both sides. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, so what, what other storylines do we want to discuss? Well, speaking of good Lannisters, how about uh, our introduction to, I think, is it Kevin? Kevin Lannister? Yeah, yeah. I think is the character's name? Kevin with an A. Yeah, where we see Cersei's not-so-subtle move to take over the kingdom. Right. She's basically uh, reshuffling the small council, and everybody who has objections, she basically shuts them up by promoting them to master of something. Hey, you're now also the master of coin, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she tries to give one to her Uncle Kevin, and Kevin's just like, no, fuck you. You're not doing this. Uh, have the king tell me himself and maybe I'll think about it. Until then, peace. I'm out. Right. Because even a pie cell is bought, in a sense. Yes. Because, because yep. he was pissed, too. Because Especially when they put that Frankenstein guy on the, on the board. And right. 
And then she, he gets promoted too, and he goes, "Oh, oh all right, that's, that sounds good." Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, Mister. The, the so gives I, him. Uh, doesn't she give him Master of Whispers? She gives him Barris's old position. Yeah, something like that. I think. Well, that's what the Frankenstein guy gets, yeah, is right, Master. Oh, of Whispers. yeah, you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what she she gives Pycelle, but she gives him something. But yeah, she's basically moving in to be the unofficial queen. Or, you know, opposed to just the queen mother, which, you know, makes sense. Now, admittedly, her son is like 13 years old. I'm pretty sure if he says, now, honey, please make mommy hand of the king. He would, you know, he'd say, can I have some candy? And she said, sure. He said, okay, you're the hand and all would be fine. But she's also recognizes that, um, that she's a female. Well, she's a female, but that what's her name has, Oh, uh, kind of start. Marjorie started to get her claws in his in, in his mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and, and this is what she says basically. What she's planning to do is basically say there will not be a hand until Tommen can do something. I forget what it was. Up to the age, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, they, right. So, which is all a crock. So, if anything, this is the time you need a hand. So right. this eliminates that issue, and then she just keeps on saying. Uh, Tommen told me to say this to everybody. Tommen told me, to, yeah. So, so she has an unlimited. Tommen told me. Tommen told me. And yep. so, this is how she's planning to take over the kingdom. Um, and so everybody knows it's bullshit. Yes. Yes. Exactly. But a lot of people don't care because they're getting bought off. Right. With promotion. Right. So I'm curious to see where this Kevan comes in because. It seems you have a Lannister with actual honor and integrity. Mm -hmm. Right, right. We we haven't seen a lot of the Lannisters outside of the dirty, perverted ones. Right. Yes. And let's be honest, that does include Tyrion as well. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be curious to see where that goes. Right, right. So I think that that was pretty much the King's Landing, right? And then then we have... We have two more. Uh, do we have? Yeah, we have two more at least. We have yeah, uh, the Targaryen one, and then we have the the Wall one, right? Do we have anything yep. else? We, we forgot. Yeah, Tyrion. So there's three three more bits. Tyrion's pretty quick. Yes. Right. It seems to be more like. Uh, don't forget, Peter Dinklage is now the star of the show. Make sure we have a scene with him in it. Okay. <laughs> right. That's true. And so they have him in the cab. Uh. And I guess it, there, I didn't get a whole lot out of that scene besides we're it traveling. Was really, to, it was really unnecessary. It was just like here they are, they're in a boat on their way to somewhere. And yeah, and, and it was uh, really it was really a repeat of last week's episode when we saw them, where Varys just keeps on saying, uh, "You'll be great as a advisor to the new leader of the realm." Right, and and you know that's basically what he said. And, and there, there's a not so there's a, there is a metaphor of. Well, Tyrion's in a box. Tyrion's much better thinking outside, outside the, the box. box. Yes, true. Yes. true. Oh, oh, and then there um, was one one good line, Mike, where Tyrion says, "I killed a lot of people," and Varys says, "Yeah, you were very good at that, and you're very good at a lot of other things too." And that is so, that he could be ruthless, I think, as well, and be able to, you know, iron fist the whole thing and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I I think this is this was a. Felt like a redundant scene. It felt like a we're just here to let everybody know that they're still alive, which I don't think they needed to because they were in last week's episode, right? And they have no trouble leaving anybody else out for an episode here or exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. So they, it did they, feel like a gratuitous. It was completely. Yeah. All right. 
So uh, the Daenerys storyline gets a little complicated because what happens is she's trying to track down these, uh, what do they call the Sons of the Harpy? Yeah. Sons of the Harpy, right. Yeah, the Sons of the Harpy who are... Uh, Which are freak fighters. Yes, uh, rebelling against her. Uh, and I guess uh, Dario, her boy toy, helps Grey Worm find where one of them is hiding. So there's this whole, you know... Another scene with uh, Daenerys not knowing what the correct political move is because she doesn't know whether to execute this son of the harpy or not because she really wants to, but is it the right thing to do? Uh, we should give him a fair trial, so she decides to give him a fair trial. Uh, but then, while he's waiting for the fair trial, uh, somebody who has pledged her, his allegiance to Daenerys goes and just kills him anyway. Uh, and Daenerys decides that since she was trying to give him a fair trial and he was killed before that, that the law is to execute the guy that killed him while he's waiting for trial. And so she uh, has this dude that did it for her beheaded in front of everybody, and that doesn't work out so well for her. Right. It's kind of bizarre because she agrees to have a fair trial for the Hoppy murderer, and then this murderer, the guy that is basically introduced to get killed off kills the harpy guy and then instead of putting him on trial for a fair trial she just basically does what she shouldn't have done in the first place to the harpy guy which is chop this guy's head off well i think there was some debate about the son of the harpy though and whether there was enough evidence to say that he for sure did anything and that's the difference whereas this guy was like yeah i killed him for you aren't you grateful <laughs> right this is this is and i would agree i don't think it's this it's entirely apples to apples because the son of the harpy was caught hiding. He is a member of the son of the harpies. Now, a son of the harpy had just killed somebody. It's the first time they'd killed somebody. But we don't know that he's the one that did it. We don't know that he was involved. We don't know that he was even aware that it was going to happen. And, you know, you could even argue that we don't technically know if he was actually a son of the harpy or was he just a, an associate or. So there's all sorts of, of shades of gray, I think, with this guy, even if the circumstantial evidence is pretty shades damning. Of gray worm. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey Worm. There you go. This guy was pretty blatant. It was he, he admitted it. He did it. Uh, there, there was no need for a trial. If, if you want to, I mean, outside of you know legal technicalities, but they didn't necessarily have to worry about those when you're when you're a queen. But the thing is, is that by executing the guy without a trial, she pisses off the masses. Right. But again, though, I think they were going to be pissed off no matter what, unless he was let go free anyway. Well, and this and, is and the that's thing it. that Daenerys is starting to find out is that she can't make everybody happy all of the time. Yeah, right, right. Because any politician, just like as we discussed uh, in the, the film, It Follows and, and Babadook in our Dark Discussion episode, no matter how good those films are considered by critics, there's always going to be, you know, 7% that won't like it for whatever reason. And just like right. any politician who's loved, there's always going to be someone that says Ronald Reagan or Bill Clinton were terrible. Right. Even if it's not and, true. and this isn't even that. This is closer to, you know, you look at any of these, these controversial criminal cases that have popped up, you know, something like uh, the killing in Ferguson or uh, the Trayvon Martin case in Florida. No matter what the ruling was going to be, you were going to piss off a lot of people. Right. And it didn't matter if you were given a fair hearing. If it didn't come out the way they had decided ahead of time. They were going to be upset, right? Right. Whether or not you believe the ruling was, whether or not the ruling was in fact correct, right? 
the people made up their minds long before all the facts were out. They never heard what was said in, in trial and in the grand jury hearings and all this other stuff. They just said, this is the side I'm picking. Yep. And because I'm picking this side, my side is the right side, and you better find for my side no matter what the evidence says. And that's the problem. Well, I want to this guy. I want to bring up another point, though, Mike, too, that's related to all this, and that's the fact that Daenerys is a foreigner, a foreigner in the sense that she's not from there. Therefore, even though she liberated these people, she's still, quote, unquote, a foreigner. So, you know, for example, after, you know, the Nazis were booted out or the Soviets were booted out and the liberators come in and save them, they're all happy and joyous. But now it's your time to get out of here, leave us alone, let us rule our way in the way we want. And, you know, so you can you can liberate somebody and be loved at a time, but you still have to say, all right, you're welcome. And, you know, we'll talk to you later and, and move, you know, go away. And she's not doing that either. So that's, that's not an invalid point, Phil. Yeah. And, right. And I want to point out, this is a consequence, I think, of her giving um, Jorah Mormont the boot last season. Yeah, sure. All right, go on. Explain this, Mike. Well, because one thing with Mormont, when he was advising her from the beginning, he always seemed to have a more worldly perspective. He had a better understanding of the different cultural places that she was visiting, specifically with the Dothraki, and then later when she went to um, whatever that magic city was, and then you know, Marine. He advised her, and he told her who the people were, what the people were like. And now she's getting her advice from uh, Barris and Selmy, who was basically a guy who's good with a sword. Right. And, and, and he's a good guy. And he's a decent guy, but he's lived his whole life in King's Landing. Right. And he doesn't have that worldly experience. And his and his advice to her is basically do things the King's Landing way. Right. Right. Well, the King's Landing before Joffrey way. You know, right. have, have a, a trial and rule of law, and we must teach them to do things our way. When the political reality is... They were not, the people were not going to stand for someone to be put to death, a former slave to be put to death for killing a, a former slaver. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And this is the sort of thing where maybe, you know, a wiser head would have granted mercy or given him a, you know, or found a way to thread the needle to find him guilty and yet not cut his head off. Right, or or give them freedom, but you have to leave the city or something stupid. Or something, or like, well, it's sort of like, you know, here we go, Phil, sort of like Stannis, you know, when he says that, you know, the good doesn't wash away the bad, nor does the bad wash away the good, you know, where he ch- chops off uh, the Onion Knight's fingers. Right. Right, and for his for him being a smuggler. He was a good man, but he was a smuggler, and he had to be punished for his crimes. They could have done something maybe like that, that because there are extenuating circumstances, right? These people have reasons to be fearful, you know. Um, they have reasons. You do have the Sons of the Harpy wanting to bring back a slave state or seemingly wanting to. Mm-hmm. Right, or, or at least bring back their power structure. Yeah. Right. There's just one more very important thing to make a note of in the Daenerys storyline, which is that Drago comes back to visit. So her her large black dragon, who's been on the loose uh, doing whatever dragons do, uh, comes back to say hi for a moment. So he's not entirely out of the picture. 
That's a good point. Yeah, that was an interesting scene because it, I don't, I don't know what to make of the scene except for what you just said, Eric, because it says, okay, he's still alive. He's still there. He's still around, but she doesn't really control him. And it was an interesting scene. It was just an interesting scene. I do think we discovered one other thing too about this whole thing. And Mike brought it up when he brought up Jorah Mormont. And that is he should be the ruler of the land. Who should be <laughs> Jorah Mormont? Yes. He should go onto the, onto the iron throne because he, he's the, the smartest of everybody. And That's I think insane. he would be a good leader. Except he's letting his, his balls lead him to Daenerys. <laughs> well, <laughs> That, well, that, yeah, that's the only reason why he sucked up to her, right? Basically did whatever she wanted. Well, maybe give him the full fee on, and we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah that's a, I see your point, yeah. Um, I, I was half expecting Drogon to set the city on fire when he swooped down at the end. That would have been awesome. <laughs> <would have> been <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but but I, I'm sure, I mean, it's it's obviously some symbolism, but it's, um, I got to say, this might be... Uh, I'm surprised to say that these dragons may be my favorite dragons I've in in They look good. In cinema. And, and, and they're so good. There's all these little details with the fins moving and uh-huh. you know, it's I still think even with all they did with um Smog. With Smog, you know, I always loved uh maybe it's nostalgia, the uh Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer, right? And it's uh that was an awesome one. And it's, and it's just a fantastic animated model by Phil Tippett. Um, and it's part of it also has to do with how it was filmed. And you didn't quite get as slapsticky as they sometimes got with Smog. Um, and it was always weird when Smog talked. Right. But I, I think I, I just love the way these dragons look, the way they're animated. Uh, and kudos to the effects team for all of that. And to see something like this on a, on a TV budget, even if it's a, HBO TV budget. Right. Right. You know, it's pretty freaking phenomenal. I also, um, I also like th- that these dragons aren't intelligent. They're, they're like, anim- they're animals basically. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably intelligent animals. I mean, they're well, not doing calculus, but I'm sure they're, they're uh, probably I, smarter than your smarter. average dog or cat, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. They're in the ca- category of dolphins, dogs, pigs, cats, whatever. And right. And they're not just, uh, these super intelligent things that, you know, we saw in, in like Smog or, or in Dungeons and Dragons where they, they could speak and all right. that. Right. Uh, but I, I, I just had an image of a fire breathing pig. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, bacon's number one, man. <laughs> but I think this is foreshadowing that Danny's gonna, gonna get some of her Targaryen back on. Um, and this is why I really don't know where this character is going because you know, she starts out with, you know, being, you know, the, the potential scourge of riding over the mountaintop with the, the Mongol hordes and then with dragons at her back. And then she's turning into the enlightened princess who is freeing all the slaves, justice for all and, and, and a, a dragon in every pot and all this other <laughs> horseshit and the benevolent dictator. And, and, and now I'm just basically waiting for her to go, all right, you know what? Fuck this. I'm tired of all your bullshit. Drogon, burn him down. I'm kind of, <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm thinking, Mike, is that all this bullshit that we're going through with the, this storyline is really just bullshit because it's, we, we, you know, I mean, you know damn well by the end of the show, which is unfortunate because we can kind of predict it, is that she's going to suddenly be united with 
a bunch of incredibly smart advisors like uh, Tyrion and, and maybe even Jorah will come back and all these other people. And they're going to lead this horde into King's Landing to try to, you know, save the day and take over and bring back, you know, justice for all. And I'm hoping that's not what happens. Well, well and the real so question is, having is, read the books, I'll say there's a distinct possibility it's not going to end up that way. Good. Right. Here's the question. Who's the bigger threat? The zombies or the dragons? Well, I think it's the zombies for sure. But the dragons are the only thing that makes the Targaryen woman anything of, of importance. Well, yeah, they said that last episode. A, a dragon queen without dragons is no queen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Especially but, but, her because all her fall or her armies is basically – um, those, those, those eunuchs, which, you know, anybody can have is what, what, you know, that advisor said to her. But we do know that the Targaryens controlled the dragons from history. Yes. Technically. So, Technically, yes. Right. So the question is, what does she have to do? Does someone give her a DVD copy of How to Train Your Dragon? <laughs> I actually she, saw a Photoshop picture of that, of the, of her sitting around with a yeah. copy of How to Train Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she. I think she has. She she has to find her balls, and I think when she when she stops worrying about being the being the mother, yes, and then the Messiah figure, and she gets a little fire back in her belly. I suspect that's when the dragons will start to respond to her again, because right. now even the good dragons, the quote unquote good dragons, the well behaved dragons that she locked up, not so far for no her. reason. Their own, yeah, they're not they're not wanting to deal with her either. So she's completely lost control. But the fact that Drogon came back after she made the call of beheading this guy, maybe maybe she's getting a little bit back, and she'll have a little you know a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I was disappointed. I was hoping the dragon was going to eat her. Well, actually, what I what I thought might happen for a second is that he was going to breathe fire on her, but because. That doesn't work right. on her. She was going to be okay. Oh, that would have been cool. Or maybe what happens is that Baelish will try to make an alliance with her, and she'll marry Sansa to Drogon. What? And they'll get alliance in the, No, not working. You're, you're getting actually, crazy. Actually, actually though, that, that is an interesting idea, Mike, where Baelish is the type of guy that would throw his dice with the person he thinks is the most powerful, and it would attempt that. But, again, that probably wouldn't work if... If Varys has something to say about it, well, because I well, it's also I don't think that Daenerys is the type to like people like him, right? Whether oh, she she would not suffer Littlefinger, she would smell him out to begin with. But She's right, whether she follows a path of of mercy or 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 hardness, she is a straight shooter. Yeah, she is not a you know a master of shadows. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. She she definitely wears things on her sleeve, and she is definitely a reactionary. She's not like like uh, Baelish at all, right? Baelish no, the, the the most the most scheming 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 she did was to um, scheming scheming <laughs> was to get the uh, the unsullied, right? And that was that was more a case of of using the guy's own arrogance and bluster against him. But man, was that awesome! Yeah, but it was absolutely awesome. Yes, and still one of my favorite musical cues in the series. All right, so we have last thing um, is to get into politics. The Night's Watch. Yep. Yes. Who's who's running for the nine hundred and ninety eighth? 
<laughs> Commander of the Watch. That's right. Yeah. Well, first off, Snow is, is offered to become the Lord of Winterfell by being That's right. given a a uh, basically a, a, a Bolton, where you know instead of being a Snow, he would become a Stark. Right. And Stannis would would you know with a sign of a letter, boom, you are now the the rule of what will be you know Winterfell and so on and so forth. And I think Jon Snow is a total idiot for not accepting that because the yes. only, he's, only reason he joined the Night's Watch is because he's a bastard and no one liked him. Right. If he was a Stark from the day he was born, you know damn well he would have been the the next ruler anyway of the North. Right. So he should have just if he's if he's even a Stark. Well, that's fair, based off of what they say on the internet. But assuming he is a Stark, you figure he should take it. I agree. Yeah, one, one of the one of the worst lines in the TV series and on the rewatch is Ned Stark turning to John and saying, "When we meet again, we'll talk about your mother." <laughs> right. Yeah, we won't be meeting again. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! Yeah, but you know, well, what color is his hair? Black. Yeah. You know, hair of black, hair of black, hair of black. Uh, I see where you're going with that. Well, so, I mean, uh, the Starks have dark hair, too, but they have more brown hair, right? I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. Or red. Yeah, so he could be more... Uh, so it's I, I wouldn't be shocked to find out that he's... Half Baratheon? Yeah, that he's part Baratheon and... Hmm, that's an interesting uh, and, 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 and part Beaver or something. I don't know what the other part would be. <laughs> um, he's a zombie-ver. All right. So you figure that he would have taken it. I mean, it's just common sense, at least in my opinion. It appears yours as well, Eric. Whether or not he turns out to be a Stark in blood, he was raised a Stark. He's got that stubborn streak of honor lodged up his ass. Yes. Right. And so he sucks at the Game of Thrones. And if he was a, I'm sure if he was a Baratheon, certainly if he was a Lannister uh, or or a Baelish, he would jump at the chance to become Jon Stark. Right, but but he but his honor won't let him take the practical route. But but is it is it misplaced honor? It doesn't matter. In many ways, I think a lot of honor is misplaced. <laughs> but you know, the Night's Watch is something that honor when you make that vow, it is a it's a it's a it's a vow for life, right? Well, and why is he worried about it now? You know, he's got this thing that could really super benefit him. He went and nailed a wilding chick. He didn't have a problem with that, and that was against his vow too. So, and, and you got to remember one of his one of his idols is Mance Raider, who bailed on the on the Night's Watch. I I don't know that he's an idol. <laughs> I think he had respect for him. I don't know that he was idolizing him, but I think the other thing is this: where is he? He is sitting at Castle Black, surrounded by the other members of the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. He is, and for him to, and for him to, and I'm not saying this is a calculation on his part. It's just a peer pressure thing. Is that he's not going to stand up and go, "Fuck you, bitches! I'm going to Winterfell." Right. Well, you know what? He's though? In a, what why does it? Why didn't Stannis or, or he go to Stan and say, "I'll accept that deal," but have the Night's Watch in the Wall be part of? Uh, my jurisdiction or, or something. I mean, he could have made, you know, he could have bartered a little I bit. don't know that he's thinking outside the box a whole lot uh, well, as far he, as this goes. It was something that was kind of just dropped on him. And he may not be smart. Yeah, we don't know how really s- smart he is in that sort of finding a third way, negotiate a deal. Playing the game. Yeah, I don't know that. Right. Playing the game as opposed to, well, you know, 
this was the sort of like the you know people who walk into a car dealership. Some people are can, are comfortable doing the wheeling and dealing, and some people are not. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be the kind of guy that walks in and he says, "I would like to buy that car. How much?" And right. it was twenty five thousand dollars. Ah, uh, well, I'm only willing to spend twenty one thousand dollars. Goodbye. Thank you. Have a nice day. And walk away. Not as any part of negotiation tactic. Right. But just because he doesn't have the money to pay for the that, and it's not realizing he's supposed to jump in with a with a counter offer. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, like I said, if if things were different, if this was after they had retaken Winterfell, if they take retake Winterfell. Um, if let's say they retake Winterfell and and they were standing in Winterfell, standing at his father's throne, um, you know, surrounded by his people and they're all cheering him on, and then Stannis had said, "Hey, how would you like to be John Stark?" Right. Maybe he would answer differently, but he's not sitting there with all these people he just fought with. And remember, for us, it's been a year. For them, it's been like 48 hours yeah. since, they, since that massive battle at the wall. He's, he's, he's not going to walk away from them right now. He may change his mind later, but I, don't, I couldn't see him doing it there and then. No, that's true. Well, and then he's we also have this other... kind of young and stupid. Yeah, and then we have this other development, which is that they have, a, they have the vote for the new commander of the Night's Watch, uh, and apparently there's like two people that they're thinking about voting for. And then, uh, in this meeting, Sam stands up and says, Hey, what about John? He's pretty cool. And then John wins. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is not set up very well. It's actually done much better in the book, uh, because in the book, uh, they actually have Sam running around doing this basically whole campaign for John Snow behind his back, by the way because Jon Snow does not actually want this. Uh, and Samwell is running around for like two weeks, whatever, uh, doing the shadow campaign to try and get people behind Jon, even though he doesn't want Jon to find out about it. And that's how Jon becomes the uh, the commander of the Night's Watch. And here it was just like, he stands up and goes, what about Jon? And everybody's like, yeah, okay, Jon. <laughs> well, there's other issues too. Like, for example... He's going to run against, we have Jon Snow, we have the other guy that nobody likes, and random third character we've never seen before. Right. Now, this being Game of Thrones, I would not have been shocked if any one of them had won. Because <laughs> right. they, they, they do have a habit of pulling things out. I do like how they did come up with a little backstory for random red shirt, right? You know, it's, yeah. Uh, so, so at least there, there was a plausibility of a campaign slogan. But, for example, they have this interesting system where you have three differently shaped chips. Right. And you use that to guess. But they never tell the audience who really... Right, which one is... Because he starts to say, uh, the Meister starts to say, the round one is for... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But we never really get the whole thing. We don't... Because... And even then, he was giving the round and square for when we had two candidates. Right. Now we got a third candidate who gets switched. Yep. So then we get a tie. And, of course, it wasn't a three-way tie. And I don't know who's the one who got humiliated by having the really tiny little pile. That's the no-name. That would have been nice to know. Right? Because there's a guy that nobody likes. I can't think of his name. Mm -hmm. Um, That Janos Slint nominated. Yeah. 
And then, and then the, the, the Meister casts the deciding the, vote. He does the vice president thing where he gets to decide the vote in the Senate. Right, which is not in any way established to the audience, although maybe they're just assuming we can pick up on that. But he does it so quickly, it's kind of hard to see exactly what it was that happened and who it was he voted for, although we all kind of know who he's going, that he's voting for Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. But, like, so the guy who he beat, did he beat the third guy we never heard of just barely, or did he beat the guy that nobody likes? You know, he beat the guy nobody likes. But, well, kind of it does, because if the guy that nobody likes got his ass handed to him, and uh-huh. utterly humiliated, that could cow him, and you know it'd be more likely that he's not going to cause any ruckus in the future. But if he only lost by the one vote because of this old mm-hmm. bastard, right? Then he'd be more likely to cause trouble for Jon Snow. We know the random red shirt isn't going to cause trouble because he's a random red shirt, <laughs> unless he suddenly well, becomes a more important character in the series. No, but I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, it was the guy nobody likes that came in second because they did say at the end, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't going to like having you as commander. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> the guy that no one likes. Yeah. Whatever his name is. So Snow wins, eh? becomes the new head of the Night's Watch, as you said, Eric, in a very quick and, I guess, plausible way. And then, as you said, Mike, General, in, in so many words, a non um a thrilling way. Because well, because it, it, we, we knew it was going to be. Right. Didn't we? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And, of course, even though he openly defied status by shooting Mance Raider with an arrow, Dennis doesn't have any balls, so he doesn't do anything because he's not a real leader. I don't think your wife is just saying that to piss me off. <laughs> Maybe. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I think Stannis is a pragmatist and, and and it's like it didn't really matter and uh-huh. he was listening to snow and he goes yeah I guess you have some good points but not a big deal <laughs> whatever well except to, to me this is this is not in keeping with who we've learned Stannis is mm-hmm. right That's, that Stannis is the guy who cut off his friend's fingers because he was a smuggler yeah. That this is a guy who, when we when we meet him in the in the second season, and is reminded of this uh, in the rewatch, was he, he has to send the letter off, uh, informing everybody about what was going on with Jamie and and he insists on calling Jamie Lannister. He says, "Well, make sure they put down that he's the Kingslayer in the note because he wants to give him stick him that little uh, insult as he's the Kingslayer." He says, "Well, you know what? No, make it Sir Jamie because you know he is still a knight and he has to get the respect." Here's a guy who, because he is so hidebound, he has to call you who you are by your title, even though you're his political enemies and you're throwing out a piece of propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) He's awesome. Stannis is so awesome. Right, but here he is. He's just sort of letting Jon Snow get away with saying, fuck you in front of the the Night's Watch and, uh, and, and all the, the wildlings that would fit in Castle Black. And nothing is happening to him. In fact, he's offering him a promotion with no punishment. Right, right. Whereas, again, back to the Onion Knight, he offered him a promotion but said, but I'm going to have to take your knuckles for being a smuggler. Right. So even that felt a little weird. It felt like Janice would have, not Janice, uh, that Stannis would have demanded something from Jon Snow for his actions, no matter what he did, whether he took the, the, the promotion or not, whether he became commander of the Night's Watch or not, it felt like he would have to, although I think I guess it could be argued, um, aren't the Night's Watch supposed to be beyond the King's? Well, yeah, there is that, like that. Yeah. yeah. 
so even throwing so, so all right so maybe I'm just answering that now in which case it would have been helpful to have someone sort of have him say you know as a member of the night watch I can't do anything to you mm-hmm. right but mm, naughty naughty punish <laughs> right punish <laughs> oh yeah so you're right so so even even though the I guess last week and the end of season four, the Snow Stannis storyline was pretty damn good. This week we could argue is a little kind of it was weaker. Yeah, yeah, because because if Stannis was out of character, which is he goes by honor straight, and this is how it is. This is what the law says. This is what we got to do. And yet he kind of. Looks the other way, though, you have a good point there, which is the Snipe Watch can't be pushed by the king, in a sense, I guess. So maybe that answers that. Right, and I, and I only remember that because, I, again, I'm doing the rewatch, and yeah. when they come looking for Baratheon's bastard, the the smith? Yeah. The yeah, blacksmith? I, yeah, yeah, I forget his name. Right, so the, the, the guy, the head of the Night's Watch, who's been going around uh, collecting recruits... He's the one that turns away the, the, the Lannister guards and saying, "You know what? You you have no authority here. You have mm-hmm. no authority over the Night's Watch." So that's the only reason I'm even thinking of that. And you know, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who hasn't watched season two in the last two days, you <laughs> you, you you may there's a really good chance you might not pick up that potential chip, right? So well, no, John did mention it last episode though. Okay, did he? Yeah. Okay, right. so. All right, so next week, we did see our everyone's favorite flayed people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, the Boltons, they're they're make they're coming back for the USO yeah. tour. Six yeah, bastards. Yeah, but they're so fun to watch. <laughs> now, do you think they're going to do the battle next week, or are they just going? Or are they just going to sort of set it up from their point of view, and then like have the battle in episode four? Oh, they'll set it up. or five. Or, yeah, yeah, they got to drag it out. Battle. Yeah. Are we going to get another scene in the box, or you think we'll finally make it to? I, I think the battle's going to be episode nine. You think again? Yeah, yeah. they're pretty consistent. Well, and I, I got to tell you that there's okay as written in the books, Cersei's storyline goes somewhere that I really want to see, and they hinted towards it going that way in the first episode of season five, and then this last episode didn't get any more of that, and I really wanted to get back there, and I don't want to say anything because. Uh, but I really want to see it. I really, really want to see it. So I hope they get back towards her storyline as it is in the book. Okay. That should satisfy people who have read the book and know what you're talking about. Yes. And not have spoiled anything for those who have not read the book and have no clue what you're talking about. Exactly. So you have threaded the needed well, needle well, my son. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we get, I, I like Varys and, and Tyrion, but I want to see them talk about something other than life sucks. Yes. Oh, um, I know Jorah Mormont. He has made no appearances in these two episodes, but the trailer for season five, the big one for the whole season, they show him in it. So he's eventually going to pop up soon. So maybe he'll pop up this coming week. And and he is another great example of the unspoken continuity in the show because his father was the one that was the head of the Night's Watch. Right. He mentions that his son was disgraced. Yeah. He gives Jon Snow Jorah Mormont's sword. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
And they're from the Bear Islands, and they mention the Bear Islands in this episode. Yeah, because, because they, won't, they won't bow the, bow the knee to Stannis at the moment. Right, because it's run by a 10-year-old girl or something like that. But even she's saying, <laughs> oh, Stannis is stinky poo. No, we want Stark. Stark is dreamy. Well, that was kind of a funny scene when he hands the message and lets John Snow read it, and John just kind of snickers. He's like, do you think that's funny? It's like, oh, no, no. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget why what, what he answered, but he answered it good enough that Stannis said, "Okay, I can buy that." He, he, he was like, "Oh, I just know the people of the North are can be very stubborn." Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's right. And I think Stannis is like free folk that way. Stannis, I think, has, has figured that out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. But then again, everybody's been stubborn to Stannis because no one. Everybody just goes, "Nah, now nah, we want the because the he's Atlantis not a real numbers. leader and nobody will follow." <laughs> um, so. Yeah, um, what else for next week? Uh, obviously all these important storylines are gonna, are gonna continue and the question is will they have a new storyline for Tyrion or will they, as you said, Mike, just have the one scene again to say this is our star and talk about how life sucks. Um, and then, well, and, you know, that, that's, they're doing that differently than the books so I don't know exactly where that's going. Right. Yeah, and, okay. and I want to, I want to see what they're doing with Arya. I really oh. want to know what the end goal was is with her and what training she's going to get because so much of the show has been her getting a different mentor every season except for the hound that she had for two seasons and well, taking life getting, lessons from them. She's getting a new mentor or or I should say a mentor from the past. Back. Yeah, an old yes. one. Yeah. Also, which right. also um I am curious to see Marjorie again because they did not have her at all. And that's topless again. That would be a sweet Fair enough. And I but, think they should just spin off Brienne and Pod into their own series. They should be doing like Brienne and Pod meet Frankenstein and I, I'd and rather Pod. watch Arya and the Hound myself, but that's just me. Yeah, well the Hound's not maybe around anymore. I know, I just say it as a as a like a spin off TV show, I would totally tune in for Arya and the Hound. I don't know about Pod and Brienne. Actually actually I'm well, thinking- what about Arya Hound, the Pod and Brienne like running around the country solve solving murder mysteries? Oh, Brienne gets to fight the Hound every episode. I'm there. <laughs> Actually, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a spinoff of Baelish now. He's becoming a very cool and interesting character, even if he's a scumbag. Yeah. Any further things for this episode or what we think of, of next episode? Or uh, I spoke my thoughts. I'm good. I'm all good. Yeah, same here. All right, so that sounds good. So uh, that was our wrap-up of Season 5, Episode 2, Our Thoughts. Uh, once again, you can find us um, on Stitcher and iTunes under You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, as well as under Dark Discussions podcast, our sister podcast. And the website is www.darkdiscussions.com. Facebook is Dark Discussions podcast. Email is darkdiscussions at AOL.com. And we would love uh, you guys to send us emails or voice recordings attached to emails so we can read them and play them on this show and hear your opinions of what you think is going on in the Game of Thrones. And as always, reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever other service you're using, giving us reviews would be greatly appreciated. Yes. We've already got two. We've got two. Oh, that's pretty cool. I haven't checked yet. Nice. Nice. And we've only been around for one week. So that's pretty good. Nice. All right. So I guess with that stated, uh, Eric, why don't you leave us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in to listen to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast.
Come back next week. We'll be talking about episode number three, season five. Follow Margulis. 